Why the federal government is looking to sue the Lone Star State. A young teenage girl rescued in California after being kidnapped in Texas. What she did that led to her rescue. And it's not much, but it's something tracking the timing of spotty storms both days this weekend. We begin with developing news tonight. The federal government is looking to sue the state of Texas over these buoys on the Rio Grande at the border. The DOJ sent a letter to the governor warning they're illegal. Now we've reported extensively on these orange barriers which crews started installing in Eagle Pass earlier this month. The feds say they violate the Rivers and Harbors Act and the state also didn't get clearance from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers to put them in the water. Now we have much more on this story right now at KXAN.com. First warning weather with meteorologist Nick Bannon. Another hot day, but a sunny day, and at least the air was a little drier. This is how it looks at Q2 Stadium from our Indeed weather camera, where we're still triple digits at 102. Things are going to get busy at Q2 and the domain here pretty shortly with a game tonight. Temperatures triple digits in most spots, but we're actually a little cooler than we were this time yesterday, and more areas are in the 90s now than were this time yesterday, too. And the air it's been drier just about all day. Even the most humid part of the day this morning was more comfortable. You can see dew points in the 50s and even 40s. That is as comfortable as it gets when you've got triple digit heat, although it is more humid in our eastern counties as those dew points in the 60s are in place there. If you're heading to Q2 tonight for the Austin FC game hosting Mazatlan in the League's Cup, that kickoff is at 7.30. Temperature's still going to be near triple digits just before kickoff at 7. 95 at 9 and into the upper 80s here at 11 o'clock tonight. Coming up in first warning weather, we're watching for some isolated storms this weekend. Subtle changes in the heat for next week and why we're watching the tropics a little more now. We're looking in depth here. We are learning more about boil water notices here in Central Texas. We're learning from the Texas Tribune. They've skyrocketed in the last few years. In 2019, there were 786 reported boil water notices. We're going to have more on that story, though, coming up in just a bit. First here, something that's happening today in Austin, an anti-hate initiative. City leaders launched a new anti-hate education and outreach initiative. The goal is of we all belong. The goal is to encourage the community to keep Austin a safe and welcoming place. In doing so, they've launched a website where people can report suspected hate crimes to APD and look at interactive data to see how bias-motivated crimes impact Austin neighborhoods. They also want to make note that this is in response to a city council resolution that directs the city manager to work with local groups to provide improvements to Austin's response to hate. We at ADL are super excited that the city is taking this initiative to the community and really making people aware that there is something you can do when you experience hate or bias in our community. You don't have to remain silent. If you want to find out more about what's involved and how you can get involved with the We All Be Long outreach campaign, they've got their first event Sunday, August 12th. A 13-year-old girl kidnapped at gunpoint in San Antonio is now back with her family after being rescued in Southern California. A passerby in Long Beach saw her outside this laundromat in a car parked and she was holding up a sign that said, help me. Investigators say the suspect took the girl off the street near a bus stop in San Antonio back on July 6th. 
Officers found the girl who they described as, quote, a visibly and emotionally distressed young woman. Detectives say the suspect, 61-year-old Stephen Sablon of Claiborne, Texas, was in the laundromat. They say he sexually assaulted the girl several times. He faces up to life in prison. Well, the future of AI, that's the hefty topic up for discussion at the White House today. President Biden met with the heads of seven tech companies to map out safety, security, and transparency concerns as artificial intelligence becomes a growing part of our society. NBC's Alice Barr has more. From Hollywood writers and actors on strike to schools worried about cheating and deepfakes in politics, the quickly moving world of artificial intelligence is stirring up major concerns. Today at the White House, President Biden announcing voluntary commitments from seven leading AI companies to improve safety, security, and transparency. The companies have an obligation to make sure their technology is safe before releasing it to the public. The companies from Microsoft and Meta to Amazon and Google promising to invest in cybersecurity and committing to earn the public's trust, in part by finding ways to clearly label when content is AI generated using things like a watermarking system. Already, there are examples online from a deep fake photo of former President Trump being arrested to a false AI generated video of President Biden reinstating the draft. Fakes with the potential to spark real outrage with the 2024 presidential election on the horizon. We should not allow any kind of artificial generation of video, photos, or voices from real individuals. The president stressing the need to manage the risks already disrupting jobs and industries and to protect personal data online, while also unlocking AI's potential to address society's biggest challenges. From cancer to climate change, and invest in education and new jobs. The Biden administration working on an executive order and pressing Congress for new legislation to guide rapid innovation. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. Well, some central Texans are boiling water this evening after drops in water pressure and in some cases, no water at all. In just the last couple of weeks, we've seen half a dozen areas around Austin struggle with water supplies thanks to an extreme drought. KXN's Sam Stark went to Maynard to hear from a family who lost their water and then learned this may be the new normal. On Thursday night, Alexandria Drawn and her husband and three kids finished up dinner. She started to clean up. We lost like all water pressure. She checked her neighborhood Facebook page and realized her house was not the only one. We have no pressure or completely low pressure. What's going on? Friday morning, Crossroad Utility Service called affected homes to say due to drought conditions and supply issues from their wholesaler, the water pressure was low and a boil water notice was in effect. They posted signs around the neighborhood the night before. But this isn't new, Dron says. In recent weeks, they had consistent brownish, foul-smelling water flowing from their faucets. And once that was fixed... Almost immediately, boom, pressure's out. Many central Texans are in similar positions. Several boil water notices stand across the region. We are in a very scary time right now. Everybody's experiencing this. And if you live pretty much in our area, we're all connected to the same water and we need to save it for everyone. Hamilton says people must reduce water used for lawn irrigation or we will continue to see these notices and further drought restrictions. Our lawns will come back. It will hopefully be okay. And we do know one day it's going to rain. We don't know when. Drawn, a mother of three. Atticus, can you stay on that side, please? Says these limitations make her life even more challenging. There's so many aspects of our life here in America, at least, that when it comes to water, 
it's this convenience and this factor that you can guarantee on. And we couldn't last night and we couldn't this morning. Sam Stark, KXAN News. Thousands of guns confiscated by TSA agents so far this year. Just how many have been found and how the Austin airport stacks up. A bittersweet reunion 80 years in the making. The World War II sailor whose remains have taken decades to be identified finally returning home. And a very unique look-alike contest in Florida honoring an icon in the literary world. Travis County leaders met this morning to talk to the public about wildfire dangers and how to stay vigilant and prepared. They aim to raise awareness on the risks posed, especially this time of year. They also emphasize the importance of people, but also communities and organizations being prepared for these disasters. This after two wildfires broke out in Central Texas and burned hundreds of acres just this week. This could happen to any community. It can happen to a well-established community, a master plan community, or it can happen in very rural settings. Uh, no, there's not one community in this area that's immune to all of these threats. The fire started Wednesday afternoon between Georgetown and Gerald. That fire burned 300 acres and is 50% contained. In Hayes County, another fire started Tuesday. That one burned a little over 40 acres before crews got it fully contained. Hey, we did it. Our high temperature today stayed below 105 in Austin and also below record breaking as well. This means our streak of days with highs of 105 or hotter has finally ended unofficially. That ends at 11 days, which was a new record. We've got more heat than this, though, coming. We'll track the timing of some potential rain for the weekend in first warning weather. Ahead of the November election, Texas will remove itself from a national initiative meant to prevent voter fraud. It's known as ERIC, or the Electronic Registration Information Center. It lets states share government data in hopes of maintaining accurate voter lists. Now, the Secretary of State's office told us since fewer states are participating in the program, it was getting more expensive. And the, state, the office also cited recent legislation that's about to go into effect directing Texas to build its own version of the cross-check system or pair up with a company to do so to make sure voters are not registered in multiple states. But voting rights advocates are concerned about this. They're worried that the state will not be able to handle its own system, citing previous errors in maintaining our voter rolls. Four secretaries of state over the last four years, um, and more of those have had problems in election administration than uh, than they haven't. And so, um, you know, when we had a tested viable alternative of, or viable process like Eric, um, and then we had conspiracy theories and a history and track record of abuse of election administration, it seems like the voters should have preferred uh, that Texas stay in Eric. And Texas is the ninth state so far to leave Eric in 2022, but the largest state overall. Only five Republican-controlled states are still members. Airline passengers are continuing to try to bring guns on planes in near record numbers. The TSA announced today that in just the first six months of this year, agents have confiscated over 3,000 guns at checkpoints across the nation. 92% of them were loaded. The TSA said they hear the phrase, oh, I forgot it was in there, way too often. They are reminding travelers guns can only be transported on planes in properly secured cases in checked baggage. The agency is nearly on pace to match last year's record number of confiscations, which was well over 6,000. 
If you're caught with a gun in your carry-on bag, you can pretty much guarantee you'll miss your flight. That gun will be handed over to local authorities, and you could be fined nearly $15,000 and receive a criminal referral. Going in depth here, the Austin airport ranked in the top 10 for the most guns found in carry-on luggage in 2022. That year, 150 guns were confiscated by TSA. In 2021, 110 guns were found in passengers' bags. With less people traveling, likely due to the pandemic, 49 guns were found in 2020. And in 2019, 77 guns were found in carry-on luggage there. First warning weather with meteorologist Nick Bannon. All right, let's stick out to Marvel Falls, the Highland Furniture and River City Grill camera there looking gorgeous on what was a slightly cooler day for us today. And the humidity was down a little bit too, so a couple of things working in our favor, although of course it didn't feel amazing, it just felt a little bit better. Relatively quiet across the state, a few storms near Houston, but a change in the weather pattern is going to just about open up the door a little bit to some isolated storm chances both days of the weekend. As our heat dome contracts and weakens slightly, it may allow a cool front to drop in on Saturday and the leftovers of that front staying with us on Sunday to allow for rain chances both of those days. The rain chances are not particularly high, but it is a change in the completely dry weather pattern that we've been dealing with lately. Some scattered clouds overnight into tomorrow morning, generally a good amount of sunshine to begin your Saturday. A few more puffy clouds developing during your Saturday afternoon and those may squeeze out a spotty shower or storm during the late afternoon and into the evening. There may be a renewed rain chance late Saturday night into the first few hours of Sunday morning as well before those rain chances drop off a little bit until Sunday afternoon where rain chances may come back. This particular computer model not as excited about rain chances Sunday afternoon but other models that we look at do give us a decent call it 20% rain chance late in the day on Sunday. So just some clouds late tonight, otherwise mostly clear. We're down to 78. That would not be a record warm low temperature tonight. Here's how your Saturday looks. Not looking for rain chances during the first half of the day. A few extra clouds early on, then a lot of sunshine, and then those slim 10% rain chances in the afternoon with a high of 106. Sunday's rain chances are actually low even in the morning rather than non-existent. So 10% at 8 and at noon. Say if you're going paddleboarding or paddling of any kind on Sunday. Just be aware of that low but 20% rain chance later in the day with a high coming in around 102 to 104. I want to let you know that we're still watching the tropics increase confidence that this little cluster of storms near the X does develop into a tropical depression. Now it's got a 60% chance of doing that here within the next seven days. Not threatening any land at this point, but it is worth watching, of course, this time of year. Look at our first warning weather seven-day forecast. After the rain chances drop off for the weekend, it's back to hot and dry again, tying the record high Monday, Tuesday, and then temperatures slowly falling by the end of next week. All right, Nick, thank you very much. Coming up tonight on Dateline NBC, detectives discover a puzzling connection Excuse me, between two women who vanished two decades apart. Here is a preview. These grainy nighttime images are some of the last known moments in the life of a successful woman. A person who simply vanished without a trace from her home. What happened inside that house? The investigation into what happened to her opened up an entirely new saga about another missing woman. It's a big puzzle. It took decades to unsnarl the stories of the two women who didn't know one another, but who both ended up years apart in the same place. It's idiosyncratic. 
That's a signature. Without a few individuals stricken with a bad case of justice fever, we might never know their stories at all. They found out that I wasn't going to give up. Not the twists. Two women, two children, neither knows about the other. Yes. The setbacks. The cause of death was undetermined. The stark fear of it all. He says, oh my God, he's going to kill her and he's going to kill me. The fates of Pam and Marta, united in horror on one of the busiest stretches of interstate in the country. When all that stuff started coming out, I was like, oh my God, this guy's a monster. And the story unfolds tonight on Dateline NBC right here on KXAN at 8 o'clock. 80 years later, a Kentucky family is finally putting their loved one to rest. Seaman First Class Elmer P. Lawrence was one of more than 2,000 people killed during the attack on Pearl Harbor. He's remained missing in action since then, but now, thanks to new technology, his remains have been identified and are coming back home. Sean Bounty shows us what it means to his family. Seaman First Class Elmer P. Lawrence is coming home. It's it so great. It's wonderful. Lawrence was among the more than 2,000 people killed during one of the most infamous days in American history. After more than 80 years, his family learned he'd been identified. Oh. And just what that was like. It was a thrill. Lawrence never met his nephew, Mike Edwards, but Edwards knows all about him. His mother never forgot. I just, oh, she's smiling. She's, she's more than happy. She's grateful. I mean, I can just see her face now. I asked Edwards what he thinks his mom would say if she were alive to see her brother return home. After she stopped crying, no telling. I, I don't know what she would say. She probably would faint. In 2015, the Navy began efforts to use DNA to identify the more than 400 people they thought previously were unidentifiable at the USS Oklahoma. Edwards, eager for answers, gave them his own DNA. If we did that, we sent it all in and... Uh, I don't know how many months. Well, I, well years, I, yeah. years. It's been years. Edward's wife, Annette, has been by his side for more than 30 years and has heard all the stories. I am grateful and blessed to be able to be sharing it with him because it's, it's a glorious day. Mike and Annette believe Uncle Elmer has already reached his eternal home. Though his earthly home may be secondary, it means the earth to those still here. I realize he's already home in heaven, but we get to bring his remains home to where he lived and grew up, and that's a blessing, a blessing. Amazing story, Sean. Thank you so much. We've got some more news for you. The Ernest Hemingway Lookalike Contest continues in Key West today. The late author called the archipelago home during the 1930s, and now, almost a century later, nearly 140 bearded men who resemble Ernest Hemingway are competing in this lookalike contest. The challenge is a highlight of the island's Hemingway Days Festival, saluting the literary talent and Nobel Prize winning writer, and of course his adventurous life. Contestants take turns parading across the stage while being closely observed by a judging panel of experts. That's because they're previous winners. The contest's second preliminary round is set for today. The 2023 winner will be chosen during Saturday night's finals. And we'll see you all after the break. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you at 6. But coming up next on NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt, the Kennedy family feud, the controversial comments from RFK Jr., and what family members say about his presidential run.
Thanks for listening to KXAN News Nightly. You can also listen to KXAN News Today every morning for more in-depth coverage of what matters most to you.